The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. What's up, y'all? Thanks for tuning in today. Um, I wanted to talk about something really interesting. I wanted to talk about the culture of like comic book culture and how like hip hop is intertwined with it. And I think it's really interesting because some of my favorite rappers always note or drop like some comic book nerd adjacent either bars or their look. Like we got MF Doom, you know, Ghostface Killer. Sean Price, you know, all these, you know, it's all rappers that have like this comic book connection because, you know, a lot of them read comic books growing up. So it was really interesting for me to interview Jean Grey and Prodigy of Mob Deep, may he rest in peace, when I was at Comic Con. Now, this was right before Black Panther dropped. So, you know, a lot of, um, uh, Buzz was around Marvel. So Marvel had this really cool uh, Marvel's and hip hop comic uh, and comics panel at Comic Con right in the middle of the floor. It was big as hell. Um, it was a lot of rappers on stage. And this was in 2016. This is when Luke Cage was dropping on Netflix. And it was just so much buzz at the time it was like a really good momentum between hip-hop and comics going on and like I said I got the opportunity to interview Jean Grey and Prodigy so I want you to check out my interviews with Jean Grey and Prodigy what we talked about you know what we was rapping about and everything like that and let me know what you think and also let me know what are your favorite hip-hop and comic crossovers? You know what I'm saying? Um, if you all have ever checked out the last issue of Fabulized Magazine MSAB um, mixtape issue, we our cover story was Anthony Piper of Trill League, and you see how he even married hip-hop and comics. So check out the interviews and let me know what you think. Hey, we're here at Comic-Con. We have the one and only prodigy of Mob Deep. We just finished a Marvel and hip-hop panel. Um, Jean Grey was also on the panel. So we're here talking about Marvel, hip-hop, and music, and how the two go together. So how did you get in with Marvel? Man, relationship goes back a while, man. Um, I've been doing a few interviews with them um, over the years. When, when I first came home, I put a couple of books out. So they've been interviewing me for their website, and, you know, now, what, what entails in your book? Are you, is it just a storyline? Is it a comic? What is it? I put, I got a publisher company. I put about seven books out since 2011. Okay. So, uh, this new book that's out right now, October 11th, is, uh, it's called Commissary Kitchen. Mm-hmm. So, it's basically a cookbook for all the stuff that I used to cook in jail. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, what's some of your recipes in there? Like, like some of the recipes, you'd be surprised, like, the level of food we make, like, barbecue salmon over rice. Barbecue salmon? Yeah, barbecue salmon. How do you salmon. make barbecue salmon in jail? Like, how do you... In a toaster oven and a microwave. Really? That's all we had to use. Okay. So, it's pretty it's pretty unique, you know what I mean? So, did you seek out Marvel or did Marvel seek out you? Or was it like a, a, it was on both sides? Well, uh, recently for that Black Panther thing, um, we reached out to them. We sent them a song, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because uh, 
I was real interested in, in that character, Black Panther, like, you know, and uh, I wanted to do something, some music for it. So uh, since Black Panther is like, he had so much high energy when he was fighting and everything like that, we created like a song where it kind of matches his energy, you know what I mean? It's like hip-hop mixed with, hardcore hip-hop mixed with EDM a little something. Okay. So the song is called Beast With It, you know what I mean? Because Black Panther is a beast. So, yeah. Are you excited about the movie that's coming out next year? Oh man, hell yeah, hell yeah. I have you been that. reading up some of the comments of Black Panther? Nah, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. But uh, I know the story, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's pretty dope, yeah. Um, do you plan to be a part of the score for the Black Panther movie soundtrack? Yeah, we're definitely pushing for that. We're pushing, you know, just to put more music out through uh, Black Panther brand and through Marvel, Marvel like, you know what I mean? How many comic cons have you attended? This is my first one. Really? So is it like overwhelming for you? Like, is a lot of people like? This is dope. Man. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it a lot. You know, you know what I mean? Um, just to see all the people with their cosplay on and people from young and old just enjoying themselves. Like, you know. Well, we're here because you know we've been to Comic Con before, and this is the first Comic Con you know that has had so many diversity panels. Right. And like, it's more black people coming. It's more black cosplayers here. Right. So we're creating diversity in comics because there's this. Um, we feel like. Are we? Is are are these comic? Are these companies interested in us right. because we're making them interested in us, mm. or are they pushing us because they see where their lacks of diversity? So right. it's more like, are you interested in us because you can make money off of us, or are you interested because you actually want to change? So that's the conversations with diversity and comics that I we're think, having. I think we at the point where we can't be ignored. Know what I'm saying? Social media. Yeah, yeah. We we at the point where. Uh, all nationalities, you can't ignore us. We out here, man. You know what I mean? So you got to involve everybody or you look crazy. It's very true. Yeah, man. That's the way it is. Like, you know what I mean? So I definitely think as time progresses, you know what I mean, you'll see a lot more diversity because of social media, just because of the way the world is going. It's just what it is. Like, Do you have any favorite comic characters that you like besides Black Panther? Uh, besides Black Panther, I would have to say my number one guy, man, Superman. Oh man, <laughs> they love Superman. I'm not a big Superman fan, but they love Superman. Well, uh, you know, that's my number one guy. I fuck with Superman. All right, so um, any, but uh, any... the Hulk is dope too. I like the Hulk. You like the Hulk? I, I like. I fuck with the Hulk too. <laughs> so um, let us know your current projects, your future projects, and what we can see them at. Yeah, so uh, the cookbook is out October 11th. It's called Commissary Kitchen, my infamous prison cookbook. I got the audio version to it also for people you know have too much time to read. Okay. Um, so you can check out the audio version when you're on your commute or you're in the gym or something like that. Um, I got new music coming out in February. You know what I mean? Mob Deep. Always touring. Stay on tour. So look out for that. And uh, you can follow me on social media. My Instagram is at Prodigy Mob Deep. Same thing on Facebook. Same thing on Twitter. You know what I mean? If you want to check out the Mob Deep tour, you can Google us. Yeah, we're gonna, we definitely going to learn how to make... Uh, Barbecue salmon. Barbecue salmon over rice. Over rice in the toaster. But hold up. Then you also got to <laughs> learn how to make the macaroni salad with apples. Macaroni salad with apples. That sounds like something to be on Food Network. It's Maybe. really good. Okay, we're going to check that the out. The recipes is in the book. I got a bunch of recipes in there. Okay, cool. That's so dope. Oh, yeah. All right, we're still here at Comic-Con Marvel Panel. So many people here at Marvel Panel. We are sitting here with hip-hop royalty right here. The one and only Jean Grey. Hey, Jean. Hey. Black Girl Magic is activated officially. So, how 
did yeah. you get here in Marvel? Like, you're here in Marvel Comic Con. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I feel. I feel like um, you know. I, I uh, started doing stuff with Marvel kind of last year, and um, immediately when it happened, I was kind of like, "Why is it taking you guys so long? Mm-hmm. It took you all so long? It's me. Like an entertaining great. Like you serious? Like yeah. um." And, you know, Wes is also a great friend of mine, uh, Mike Hawthorne, uh, who was based Deadpool, drew me into Deadpool, mm-hmm. punching Deadpool in the face. <laughs> and I was like, well, fuck, really seriously, I have to be a punk. And um, this year, they uh, asked me to do some music for the Black Panther video series, and who would say no to that? That is crazy. Did you read it? How do you like it? It's Black Panther. <laughs> what, okay, one, one is Black Panther. Two, it's it's right now. Things that are just, it's so necessary and it's so important. And three, it's time to So, there's, there's no, there's no Now, are you going to be also in the Black Panther movie? Are you going to be doing a score for that? Or? I'm going to be playing Black Panther. <laughs> Might as well, right? Yeah. You know, things are evolving, so. I am so They don't know that I'm going to be playing Black Panther, Mm -hmm. but I am. I mean, you look kick ass. I mean, why not? Yeah, no, I feel good about that. (laughs) I won't be arrested at all. (laughs) Now, you say you're going to be cosplaying, and it's a secret. So, who are some of your favorite comic book characters besides Black Panther? Um, I really like the idea of... That's really tight because I feel like you can wear a lot of. You have to be in really good shape mm-hmm. to wear anything that's super, super tight like that. But if you have like armor or texture on top of it, then you won't see all the imperfections underneath. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I always wanted to cosplay like Jean Grey's serious X Men. It was not. It was not a good song. It was not a good song. It did not. Go. Did it go well? And I'm. I'm. I got a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't. It didn't feel great on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I. I decided to start making my own things and adding smart. texture and armor. Smart. So you made your cosplay outfit. Yeah. Oh, I have to. When are, when are I you do gonna, things. <laughs> when are you going to debut it? Like when are we going to see it? Maybe today, tomorrow. <laughs> I guess you'll have to look for me. We have to look. We're going to be on a Jean Grey hunt. Watch. Like, oh, you know what? Time. Watch sounds better than hunt. Yeah. Jean Grey watch. You're going to create a hashtag to find you on your Comic Con to see what you're wearing. Okay, so we're doing that. So I'm going to be happy hiding. <laughs> what are, are you doing any costume? What's that? You know what? We I discussed was, this. We, we discussed did. We talked about it. So I have like I'm like going into like my whole evolution of Missy Knight. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people know Missy Knight of her arm, but she has a life before her arm. Like, she does have a life. Before I, I like that you're really trying to promote that. <laughs> you're like, well, the you arm know what? Doesn't make Missy who it she is. It really doesn't. It, it, does, it really doesn't. Um, two years ago, I published a magazine and I had Missy Knight as my cover. And two years ago, people was like, Who the hell is, is Missy? Who is Missy Knight? 
Missy Knight, like, why do you have this black girl with this arm on your cover of your magazine? And Missy Knight is the first black female superhero. And I wanted to release a sensitile. So I felt that that was in the whole genre of what I'm doing. And for Missy Knight to actually come to life, yeah. Two years later, it's like, oh shit! It is, it is, it is mind blowing. <laughs> it, it is mind blowing to you know to sit back and 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 get to see Luke Cage on, and it's not just the idea of Luke Cage being on. It's seeing all of these black women. There's a scene where they're just all in an interrogation room, and I was like, I had to stop and pause it. And I was like, I don't know if I've seen that. Something in my heart tells me that I haven't seen that happen. Right. Just and just amazing actresses. I was like, this is it's amazing. It is. And it feels so good. Yes. You so can good. feel the black girl magic Man. coming out of the screen. Like, this is amazing. This is for us. It, and, and there's so many here. I'm so excited. It, it makes me so excited to see them. And, you know, I was just having a conversation that, you know, I, I think a lot of black people or people of color in general were like Comic Con felt like a white thing to mm-hmm. them for some reason. Which doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's really nice to see that it's, it's changed. It is changing. This is the first year of Comic Con that I've attended where so many diversity so panels. So many. And it's like wow. Like I remember like a couple years ago it would be like three or four yeah. and now it's like twelve. They're packed. They're so like people are waiting in line for hours to go let you know to see black artists talk about their art, about their art. and how it's been developing and what audiences are accepting to it. So I'm going to ask you this question. I've asked a few you know artists here. Okay. Um, on social media, we have been you know you other people on Twitter using their platforms to check these companies on their lack of diversity. We don't just want characters. We want more people of color in the writing rooms and in the record room, in the yeah. editing room. Yeah. So, do you think they're starting to hear us or do you think they're just like, you know, you know, finally being worn down from hearing us so much? I, I think it's genuine. I think, I think there are a lot of, of things that are genuine. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you know when there's a lot of things that are like, really, that don't mean it. There's, there's no reason for, for you to have done that. I, I know you're just doing that because you feel like you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the moments when it, it is genuine, you, you know it and, and you know that it's credible. I think it's also up to us to call people out when they're being disingenuous about mm-hmm. I think that's very important. Um, you know, that if... I, I, a lot of the, the promotion and stuff I'm seeing, I'm like, that's not necessarily diversity. What you're doing is just, it's basically still cultural appropriation. You haven't changed anything. Um, and you're just trying to appease your audience. And you're like, black is hip now. Let's put more black people in there. Which which harmless black guy are we using this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this year, it's like thick rim glasses for black guy. Dark skin, thick rim glasses mm-hmm. he's the one how do you explain cultural appropriation to people who appropriate it's a very long and frustrating and tiring conversation mm-hmm. um, and I you know I just got frustrated <laughs> in my because <in> <laughs> you know people I, 
I've been at these panels, you know, I've seen non-people of color question, like, what's cultural culture really means? Like, how, how do I know what I'm doing? And, like, why is it such a bad thing? Like, and, and and I, I think that's the first step, and I, I think it's a it's a fine step. Mm-hmm. And um, white people, it's okay. To, it's good to ask questions. Ask questions. Do some research and find out why it would feel inappropriate. You know, how Halloween's coming up, and I feel like we always have to have a conversation about not doing always. Black things. Please don't do black face. Please don't do black face. Please. Please don't do black face. Please. Not brown face. Nope. Not yellow face. No. Do green, purple, because there is a history behind it, and it's just not. And I think there's a lot of people who don't understand, and are kind of just being get attacked, and they're like, it's racist, and they have no idea why it's racist, and they don't get it. Um, so yeah, in my my way of dealing with people is always to sort of give them a headway and be like, we hey, don't do that, don't do that gently. Here's some. Here's a pamphlet and some information for you to read, mm-hmm. and some right. links. I want you to educate yourself because mm-hmm. it is not my job to educate. Right. Absolutely. We are not from you. We're not from teachers. I'm very busy. Right. I'm very busy with my new Black Panther movie. Playing Black Panther. <laughs> I don't have time. I don't have time. She's Black Panther. Black Panther. Clearly. You know what? With these glasses you have on. Yeah. If I these... give you this wig, you yeah. can totally be Angela Davis. Black Panther? Black Panther. Let's just keep... <laughs> the whole rest of the video is just... Black Panther. Black Panther? Black Panther. Black Panther. Black as fuck. I, we can curse? We can curse? Hell yeah! We can fucking... <laughs> this is unapologetically black right here. Gosh. Now we can get lit right now. Yeah. No, this is a whole different fucking interview. <laughs> That cultural appropriation bit would have gone way different. <laughs> it's okay. You didn't tell me. Okay. I just, it's, it's freedom of speech. I want people to be very free in how they express themselves and when I talk to them. Because I'm passionate about diversity. I work in media. You know, it's been plenty of times where I've been the only brown girl in let me, the office. Let me, let me, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked me a question. Yeah. <laughs> because I also, um, over the past couple of years, and especially just the past like year and a half, mm-hmm. um, black hair for women has become more acceptable mm-hmm. to people. Not that we didn't accept ourselves, um, but in professional work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and again, not understanding why it wouldn't be okay for women to wear their hair Okay, well, my situation is different because this is a wig. I have locks. And, Same thing. Okay. And there have been jobs I've been denied. That's, that's even... Yeah. How, how long have you been locking your I've been locked for about seven years. And I have been denied positions. I've even had an HR person tell me to my face that they, I, would, I would not get a position because of my hair. And, you know, with the laws saying that they can openly discriminate against women with locks or people with locks, period. And I work in media where minority is already low. Um, it's, it's, it's a struggle because it, it makes me want to really be an entrepreneur because, like, 
I don't want to. I don't want to have to sacrifice who I am for patience. No, because it's ridiculous. Because it's hair. It's hair. It's hair. It's it, my that hair. Comes out of your head. It's my hair. And nothing about <laughs> that um, distracts or takes away from what you can do professionally. But I, I am. My feelings does get hurt when I see it happen to children, especially little black girls in schools, and when they're being told that their hair is a distraction or it's not neat enough or it's too nappy. Because you know, I grew up in a home where my father had a big afro like this, uh, and my mother had natural hair. So natural hair was something that was always, you know, normal to me. But when I went outside. And little boys and little girls say, oh, why you don't call me a nappy hair? Your hair's so nappy. Your hair's so nappy. You know, we have to, we have a really twisted way of what beauty is. And, and you know, this is, you know, years of uh, psychological black warfare um, that we have to get past. But I, 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 I wanted to bring that up, and I wanted to say, because it's so great. Like, there, there are just little things that are important to me being here. They were seeing, you know, I, I, the young black dude as 11. I'm like, you're going to be my favorite. No one's going to top your 11. Specifically because it's you. And because you're doing this. Or watching you walk across the stage and we're at a Marvel signing for Black Panther. And I see that. And you're Black Panther. You know, there's, and, I, and I'm Black Panther. <laughs> like, there's um, parents and, uh, and people of color who have kids. If you are not at this time of time, I want to check out what this is about. And even if not, you're not, you don't have to be a huge fan of comics. Bring your kids. Mm-hmm. Bring your kids so that they can see uh, imagination not being uh, squelched. It's a wonderful thing to come to. And it's really, really important for um, you know people that look like me to be like, it's okay to be a nerd or a comic book nerd. Dress up or wear wigs and do whatever you want to do. So if if you didn't make it this year, come next year. If you don't come to Comic Con, remember there is a Black Comic Fest in Harlem at the Schomburg that's completely free. It's um, a two day fest where they have Black exhibitors, Black comics, Black most of the Black people that are here that work at Marvel and all these other um, um, companies are usually there. They have their own thing going on. So that's That's important to that's important to you know know too. So. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for the blog. No problem. The one and only Jean Bray. Let us know what you have working on right now, what's coming out, your website, all your social media who don't know. Um, I just put out an album called Seven about a month ago. You can get that at jeanbray.bandcamp.com where you can also get like 15 other albums and two books that I put out in the past three years. Mm-hmm. You've been very busy. Um, I'm doing, oh, I'm the new uh, voice of Questlove's uh, show on Pandora, so uh, I do that too sometimes. Um, <laughs> working on a bunch of pilots right now. Congratulations. And thank you. I'm very excited. My, my show, my live talk show, the show show is coming back to the Union Hall in Brooklyn. Um, in December, on December 1st, so that's going to be on the first Mondays. And every other Sunday at Union Hall, from 3 to 5, you can come and get your life at my non-denominational church where I'm ministering. Ooh. Hello. Okay. Right. Every Sunday, every other Sunday, because I can't do every Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah, Church of the Infinite You. I, I fuck with that. Can I say that? You should fuck with it. Okay, I fuck with it. And there are drinks. Drinks at a church? That's a church I can believe in. <laughs>
I'm Don DeLorente. I'm Dee Dee I'm Magnum Blonde. And we're the host of the WrestleCast. You can catch us right here on the CSPN each and every Friday as we provide your pro wrestling commentary with Cubble. IDW is celebrating 20 years. This is 20 year anniversary of their comics and they are releasing these issues um, with some of their favorite titles such as the Ninja Turtles and they're releasing them where all the stories are either 20 years in the past Oh no, I'm sorry. Either 20 years in the future or, you know, 20, yeah, 20 years in the past. My bad. So I have the first two issues, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 20th anniversary issue and the Shredder in Hell issue one. Now the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, 20th anniversary issue is based on 20 years of the future and it was my first time seeing the Ninja Turtles look old, you know? Um, I've never really seen the Turtles look really kind of old and grown and jaded. And this is exactly what they look like in this issue. They're over in Europe, um, of course, trying to fight Craig and, and the all-powerful Technodrome. Now, you know, if you're like me who grew up and watched the Ninja Turtles on TV and read a couple comics back in the late 80s and early 90s, you know that the Technodrome is like this big sphere slash spaceship, um, uh, uh, evil epic center of where Shredder and Krang did their most plotting and where they had all the technology and the foot soldiers. So in this, um, particular issue, Krang has a whole bunch of soldiers of other little cranks and he's using that to pretty much take over Europe and so they're trying to find you know the turtles are trying to find how to defeat Krang because he's like really super powerful like he's like super super amped up and you know they're older so they're you know they're a little rusty and dusty and they are seemingly on different paths and philosophies and what I mean by that is that they're collectively not really one as a group they're like kind of all over the place um Donatello's in jail as a political soldier uh you know Michelangelo is the leader of the group which is something something new we always is either Leo or, you know, Donatella kind of leading the way. But, you know, Michelangelo is the leader of the group. You know, Raphael, he just kind of just want to kill people and fight. And, you know, Leonardo, he's like on this ongoing um, journey to being the best soldier and ninja he could be. So... The story is like them trying to come together to fight Krang, to destroy Krang, and they're older and jaded, and they're just, you know, pretty much at their shit's end with everything. Now, saying all that, the visuals are pretty cool. Um, 
I never knew that the turtle van could fly. I guess, I mean, I knew it could take a little flight, but it's literally flying in the air like a plane. And they have this like dinosaur looking thing that's kind of like their secret weapon, I guess they're using. I guess it's the same ooze they found, you know, they were created with that they are, you know, used on something else to make it like, you know, one of their side weapons. And, um, it's really interesting. Um, it's interesting to see how Michelangelo is pretty much like the strongest one mentally of the group, which is a different pace. And Leonardo, he's like vanishing into thin air, literally. Like he's doing this whole telekinetic disappearing on an astro plane type thing. And, you know, sometimes he's, a, sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't. But um, it's an interesting um, anniversary um, issue. Um, I would recommend it if you just want to read some Ninja Turtle shit. But, you know, it's a little different from what you, you know, would normally expect. Now, Shredder in Hell is pretty fucking lit. The art is deep, is decent, um, is dark. It's, it's actually, I like Shredder in Hell because it gives the reader an opportunity to look at Shredder from actual, from a, um, human point of view. And what I mean is that we always see Treader as mean and he's always fighting and he's like the, you know, epitome of evil. But in this particular issue, Shredder is, you know, he's being resurrected by a woman that loves him who is also like this immortal being ninja uh uh person and he is in like this um is state of consciousness where he has to choose his eternal path Master Splinter is there as a guide for him to let him know that you know he can choose a better path now Shredder, he can choose either to be, you know, peaceful for the rest of his eternal life, or he can be one with the dragon god spirit and go back to Earth and fuck up everything he wants to without, you know, any type of accountability at all. So... You know, if you know Shredder, you pretty much know what he might choose, but it's not going to come easy. So he has, to, in order for him to come surface back to the earth, he has to fight everybody he's ever killed. So he has like a whole mutant army, dead army of people he's fought and killed, and they are powerful as hell. Like I said, the art is really dark, is really good, and it was nice to see Shredder actually vulnerable and and looking like he, you know, misses being normal or whatever he deems normal to be, being best friends with Splinter. Because, you know, once upon a time, they used to call themselves brothers, and they used to hang out in this forest and whatever. So, I mean, I like both of the stories, um, Teenage Mutant Turtle 20 anniversary um, issue and Shredder and Hell. But if I had to pick one on what I would continue reading, it's definitely going to be Shredder and Hell. All right. See you next week. <laughs>